Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the number one professional wrestling radio show in Las Vegas. This is the Mark Hoke Show. The Mark Hoke Show. Going bell to bell with the best in professional wrestling news, entertainment, and lots of Sin City surprises from inside the squared circle. Now, let's get to all the exciting pro wrestling action. And bring on the host. Here is Mark Hoke. Good morning, Las Vegas on a Super Bowl Sunday. How's everybody doing out there? We have a massively jam-packed show on the Mark Hoke Show here. The best in pro wrestling news and entertainment is we became the pro wrestling capital of the United States with AEW Collision being in town, the WrestleMania press conference kicking off here the road to wrestlemania with the rock and cody Rhodes going at it all sorts of wild stuff going on and we want to take a second to thank aew for all of their great hospitality getting us over there to collision and some terrific guests and part of the reason we are going to be kind of running through the seg- first segment really quickly is because we have Three guests you're going to get to hear from on this show. That's right, three of them from AEW. Darby Allen in this hour, plus Nigel McGinnis, of course, Nigel, the color commentator and former Ring of Honor world champion. And Darby and Sting just won the AEW World Tag Team Championships, but they took a bombing at the hands of the Young Bucks at the end of that match on Dynamite. Matthew and Nicholas, bad, bad boys as they beat up Darby and Sting after they won the titles. And unfortunately for them, a little bit of uh, the white suits that the Bucks were wearing turned crimson red as Darby got busted up. But we got to talk to Darby on uh, Friday, said hi to him, and we're going to hear from him very shortly here. And, of course, a lot of other news, too, talking about Scott DeMore is out at TNA, a stunning development there. They were just in town, and Scott excited about the new rebrand, and he is, but he is out, has been replaced in, by at Anthem, the parent company of TNA, so he is gone. More Vince McMahon news, dealing with former female wrestler Ashley uh, Massaro. I mean, just unbelievable things happening there. You know, Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre went at it again in New Japan last night. Just unreal stuff. And so, for because we have these great interviews coming up, uh, we have to head to break here real quick to get things rolling. So we're going to head to break very quickly right now because we want to make sure you get to hear from Darby Allen and Nigel McGinnis. So I know it's a real fast one, but we're going to head to break right now. So when we come back. It's going to be time to hear from one half of the AEW World Tag Team Champions, Darby Allen. So stick around, everybody. We've got a ton of stuff coming up here for two hours of the best in pro wrestling news and entertainment here on the Mark Oak Show. We will be right back. This is the Mark Hoke Show. The Mark Hoke Show. Here again, your host, Mark Hoke. 
and we are on the Mark Hoke Show. Very excited to welcome in, I'll tell you, one of the most unique guys in professional wrestling, multiple-time TNT champion, and the newly crowned, in a couple of ways, AEW World Tag Team Champion, along with his partner Sting. Let's welcome him in, Darby Allen, to the Mark Oak Show. Darby, how are you doing today? I'm I'm all right. I'm doing good, but like physically, a little banged up from Wednesday, but mentally, my spirits at our all-time high. The part of the reason I was saying you were crowned a couple of ways was you guys didn't get to celebrate very long after you and Sting won the world tag titles from Big Bill and Ricky Starks as, oh, those young bucks, Matthew and Nicholas showed up and well, they were um, well, they were wearing some of your blood on those suits. So can't imagine you're too happy about that. No, no. It's more of the fact, look, if I got jumped after winning the TNT Championship, fine. I understand it. But to do that to someone like Sting, which he, he literally got about a month, if that, left of his career, and to take that moment away from him, that's kind of where I draw the line. And uh, there's going to be a time, there's going to be a place where we get their blood. But we'll wait for that. Well, I have a feeling that's going to be coming up at Revolution, wouldn't you say? <laughs> oh, might might be a little sooner. Oh, really? Are we going to have a little fun here at AEW Collision coming up here on Saturday at the Dollar Loan Center? You never know. You never know. Oh, boy, I wouldn't mind the Young Bucks eating a skateboard or two. That would be fun. Yeah, no, it would be awesome. <laughs> oh, all the more reason to buy your tickets, everybody. That that would be great. Let's talk a little bit about this partnership with Sting. Now, this has been going on for a few years now, and I'd be interested to hear how this all came about because, obviously, you know, Sting's getting towards the end. We're going to be having a retirement match here at Greensboro at AEW Revolution here in just a few weeks. Why you? How did you end up being the one that he decided to work with for all this time to close things out? You know, honestly, I have, I have no idea. Like, <laughs> it's like, it was just like one thing led to another. It's, you know, pretty crazy because, like, when I first heard this thing was coming in the AEW, everyone told me that he was coming in almost as, like, an ambassador. Like, there was no, like, wrestling planned at all. If anything, we do cinematic matches. And, um, you know, I said a couple weeks ago, I was in the ring with him when I told him this, you know, I came down, went down to his house in Texas. He had a ring down there. We're rolling around the ring. And I told him, he's like, dude, like, you still got it, man. You need to end this career in your own terms. You know, obviously, after the neck injury that he sustained, he was a little hesitant. He's like, man, I don't, I don't know. And I was like, no, we, we need to have, we need to get out there live and wrestle in front of an audience. You need to end your career like, on your own terms. And I think it's almost like along his career, I've been known, <laughs> towards the end of his career, I've been known as the sting whisperer. <laughs> like, you know, whenever <laughs> I'm able to get him out of his comfort zone and be comfortable with things, you know, and he, he trusts me now. Whatever direction we go in, like, he trusts me. He's like, all right, you got to, you know, you got a good pulse on how you know, to navigate this world of AEW. Because, you know, like him coming into the world of AEW, it's, it's a whole new scene, you know, it's whole new wrestlers, everything. But um, it's been very important for me to have that, to have that with him, you know, in the end of his career. So what you're saying is him taking some of these crazy bumps is your fault. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is the funny part. I say I want to do it all. I want to jump off the balconies, and he's like, nope, I'm doing it. And I was like, oh, man. So everybody, everybody says like, yo, like Darby, like talk, like stop having to jump off these balconies. Like, it's not me. <laughs> it's like, I can't stop him. It's literally, that's him. 
And if people were to blame me, you can't call it peer pressure because he's 35 years older. So uh-huh. it's like, yeah, it's, it's insane. And that shows like the testament of how much he's willing to put his body through to end his legacy, not phoning it in, not going out there and playing like the greatest hits. This man's like putting... He has such an amazing work ethic. It's, it's awesome to see me being 31 and watching him being like 64. It's insane to see like, you know, a lot of times people could just like ride off to the sunset all like chill and normal and just go out there and play the greatest hits. But he's got a point to prove. I don't know exactly what it is because he's done everything, but he's pushing the limits. It's fascinating to see you getting so much trust from so many of the veterans in AEW and done the work with Adam Copeland. You've been called upon in spots with so many other guys over the time that you've been in AEW. And obviously people know you from the Indies and MLW and so on. But what has amazed me is how many of the veterans that are in this organization have put their trust in you in big spots and that Tony Khan has said, you know what, Darby, you're my guy. Why is that that everyone has said, you know what, Darby Allen is the man. Let's do it. You know, I don't know. I, I, to me, I think it's I'm willing to go places physically and mentally that no one else is willing to go. Like, I'm pushing the limit every week. And I, I really feel like people see that and they know that I have this work ethic to really prove a point. Because every time I go out there, it could be any, any time of the week. It could be dynamite, rampage, collision. I walk out there when I make my entrance. It literally feels like my debut. I act like it's my first, like, act like it's the first time people are seeing me, and I never, never have the night off. And I think people see that I'm willing to do things week in and week out, you know, and everybody knows, like, you're going to go to the hospital. You got to be careful. You got to slow down. But I'm not taking any of this for granted. Like, I'm very aware of what I'm doing to myself physically, the wear and tear. Like, I'm, I'm more aware of than anybody but it's just the thing is i'm so grateful for this opportunity in life like with a company like aew that just goes out there and says darby you be you and you know because i never thought i was going to make it to a place like this so i'm not taking anything for granted because i remember being a dishwasher and not even you know dropping out of school and stuff and thinking that i wouldn't be able to make it so i think people see that i'm determined to prove a point do you feel like You've proven it, though. I mean, I know some people people watch you sometimes. Like I was going back and watching some of your footage. You know that Jeff Hardy fall from uh, drop from the ladder that you did on the chairs and some of the other things that you did. You know the the one that you just did with Hobbs and Takeshita where you got thrown across the ring and got whiplashed. You know, I just sit there and I'm like, oh my god, one of these times, man, one of these times. And I just get so nervous watching you some days. And you know, and as a dad, I'd be like, if that was my kid, I'd be like, oh yeah. And it it drives me crazy to say, I just don't want anything bad to happen to the dude. Do you ever worry about that sometimes? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's insane that people, there's so much like people getting injured in the world of wrestling and they don't do anything that I do. And people like, it's funny because I don't ever really get hurt. My body feels great. I have a crazy physical recovery, like regimen at my house. Like I do so much. And, you know, I I feel wonderful. And people are telling me to slow down. Meanwhile, people are getting screwed up on the smallest things. Like, I'm like, all right, man, don't talk to me about safety. Like, I feel great. And I'm not going to stop. And that's the thing. People are like, you don't have to do this for entertainment anymore. I'm like, who says I'm doing it for your entertainment? I'm doing it for me. (laughs) I love, I physically (laughs) love 
doing this stuff. It's not, it's not to impress anybody. It's literally a feeling I get when I do it. So I, I appreciate all the fans looking out for me. But when they say, Darby, you don't have to do this for us anymore. I'm like, uh, I'm not doing it for you guys. I'm doing it for me. <laughs> I love it. I love the thrill. You know, it's, can't go out there and take it easy. No way. What is that recovery regimen? What's the secret? All right. So for me, you know, besides all the yoga, so I have the sauna, I have this ice bath with is like, uh, I sit in that for like 20 minutes a day. It's at 39 degrees. Like it's, it's pretty, like it's freezing. But on top of that, I do a lot of like dry needling, you know, which is like acupuncture and I do yoga obviously. And, and I feel like a lot of it is also staying very active outside the ring with like skateboarding. Never. Cause like Tony Hawk told me a long time ago, cause you know, he's like 55 years old and everyone always asks like Tony Hawk, like, how do you, how do you stay so like with it and he's like just don't take a break so you just keep your body moving and also meditation too like the mind is the biggest part of this whole thing to me if the mind's not right then the body will follow so i just keep my mind like really at peace and my body feels like great and and also you know i'm straight edge i don't take anything i don't take any pain pills and people are like that's crazy you need to take something I'm like no dude, i feel great and I, I, I told people, like, I take a drug test anytime, any place, anywhere. Like, just, just you know, I, I don't care. Like, you know, people are like, man, he's good. You know, he's probably all hopped up on these pills right now. How can he deal with the pain? I'm like, dude, maybe I need to be tested in a lab, but I feel wonderful. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, no, I, there's a lot that goes into it. Man, you need to make some videos or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I'm down for all that stuff. They told me the same thing about my Mount Everest training. They said, you know, like you got six months to train for the biggest mountain in the world, and you have zero mountain experience. That's unheard of. And I showed, I proved them all wrong. And then they said, okay, April, you're gonna climb Mount Everest, and we think you're ready. And this company, Adventure Consultants, doesn't mess around. They don't put people on the mountain with no experience. It told me I had to do all the training, and I had to like pass with flying colors, and I did that. And they're like, wow. You proved us wrong. <laughs> so it's like, I'm really, you know, I'm really, uh, so yeah, I think a lot of it, like I said before, it's, it's all mental. You have to have the strong mind for it. We're on with Darby Allen here on the Mark Hoke show, a physical phenom to say the least. And one thing I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned about all this training and everything that you do. And something that fascinates me as being a former coach is the speed that you generate in the ring when you're doing those ring dives and you know, ramming into people when you're flying out. Has anybody ever done any biometric testing on you to see how fast you're going in the, the force that you generate? I'm just curious about that. No, absolutely. No, nobody has. <laughs> it's funny. I started wrestling. When I first started wrestling, I was like 120 pounds. And, you know, obviously put on size since then. But I used to think that my biggest downfall was my size. But now it's my biggest positive. Like to me, it's my biggest plus out there because I move so fast. I'm so agile. And I'm like a cat. If it looks like I'm about to fall on my neck, one second later, I'm on my feet. It's like, uh, I just find my pluses and everything like that. And, but I've never been, never been tested. This see how fast I'm moving out there. Well, I know you do a lot of filmmaking. There's a project for you. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I'd be down, get a, get a little of that speed gun and, have me hit the ropes and see what happens. But yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah, it'd be fascinating because I, I, I seriously have never seen anybody go as fast in a ring. And I've been watching wrestling for a very long time. It's amazing to watch. You know, I, like I said, you do a lot of filming. I think that would be a great project for you to do. So yeah. maybe you should do that. And 
know, I know you did that fun stuff with Adam Copeland when he was coming back. So give you something else to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm making a little documentary about my time on Mount Everest. I'm going to go up there with the GoPro and just talk a lot about, you know, my mindset going into it and just film the whole process. So, you know, I don't know if that can be incorporated in, in it, but we'll see. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. What sparked your interest in doing filmmaking? There's a lot of stuff that obviously grew up big fan of film, like documentaries and everything. I went to film school in Arizona, and then I dropped out because they weren't letting me be me. They, they wouldn't let me, like, make the films I wanted to make. And then I, I just, like, I don't know. It, there was, like, a, a creative outlet that I get from it. And just to watch people tell these stories through film is, and it just leaves this like lasting impression on you where you're affected by it for years. And it's inspiring. Like to me, like that's kind of my drive behind it is to inspire people. Like I've been inspired by these films growing up because I don't take a lot of influences from the world of wrestling. I do it from like movies, music, you know, skateboarding. I feel like there's a lot of, you know, I don't know. I just try to bring all my outside passions into the world of wrestling. So what is left of the stories to tell about Darby Allen in the future? And obviously Sting is going to be done soon here with his retirement. So there's a long future left to go for you. Where do you think the future is going to lead for you in AEW? And you know, what are your aspirations remaining in professional wrestling? So my whole goal with AEW is to be the face of the company because it's given me so much inside the ring and outside the ring by just letting me be me. And, you know, nobody tells me what to do. And I think it's, it's very important because, like I said, I dropped out of film school because they didn't let me do what I wanted to do. And I made a pack with myself the first day of wrestling school saying, I'm either going to make it as Darby or I'm going to fail as Darby, but I'm not going to change for anybody. And I haven't done that. So I feel like I've stayed true to myself and I'm in AEW. And to be the face of this company, I need to be world champion. So that would be the next goal outside of when I get back from Everest is just to work for that. And, and outside the ring, though, it's just push the boundaries of what a professional wrestler is capable of because I'll be the first wrestler to climb Mount Everest. I want to be the first wrestler to go to outer space. There's a lot of stuff that I want to do and just push the boundaries because sometimes I feel like we get stuck in this little bubble and we're on our own little world. And I think sometimes people forget that there's a whole world out there of million things to do. So uh, push the envelope on what uh, what's possible. Well, if there's anybody out there in person can do it, it's you. And you're one of the most fascinating characters out there. And I think the world is going to be fascinated to see where Darby Allen's going to be headed in the future, including Mount Everest. Boy, that's going to be an amazing time. Can't wait to see how that goes for you. I'm, I'm sure you're going to be sticking a flag in the ground up there before we know it. It's going to be pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. That's the goal. Darby, thank you for coming on the Mark Hoke Show. Do appreciate it. It's good to talk to you again and looking forward to seeing you doing your thing tomorrow night. All right. Peace out, Mark. And there you go, Darby Allen, everybody. And when we come back, yes, there's a lot more. Nigel McGinnis, the former Ring of Honor world champion and color commentator for AEW Collision, will be joining us on the show. So stick around. we got more. And, of course, Orange Cassidy in the next hour. And then we're going to break down everything happening in WWE and AEW and much more. So stick around, everybody. We'll be right back on the Mark Hoke Show here on KDON 115 FM. The talk of Las Vegas. We'll be right back. 1015 FM K Don. You're listening to the number one professional wrestling radio show in Vegas. The Mark Hoke Show. The Mark Hoke Show. Now, here again is Mark Hoke. 
Welcome back to the Mark Hope Show. And we are very excited to have our next guest. I personally cannot begin to tell you how thrilled I am to have this guy on. Been seeing him in and out of the ring for a very long time. It's the former Ring of Honor world champion and pure champion among many accolades he's had in professional wrestling. Hey, he's a legend in the sport. What can we say? We welcome Nigel McGinnis to the show. Nigel, how are you? Doing fantastic. Thank you very much, Mark. That was a wonderful introduction. You must have done that sort of thing before. Oh, just a few times. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of people were very interested to see what collision was going to be like when it first started, because you know mm. you already had two different AEW shows with Rampage and Dynamite, and now we're adding a third one in and said, well, what are they going to do differently on this? But the show definitely has a, a much different feel to it. And with you and Kevin Kelly and then Tony Schiavone doing what you're doing on there, it's a very different show than the other ones. And what are you guys trying to do to make it feel much different from the other two shows that AEW is putting out? Well, I mean, obviously every every announcer has their own sort of voice and their own sort of style. Um, I think uh, with my, how would I say this, opinion, Brian and various <laughs> other people in the company, I like to sort of push that opinion far more vehemently than, than I would have done in the last place I worked, or other people like to do as well. And you know, it's just horses, of course, is whichever floats your boat more. And I just feel like that that really makes uh, what I say stand out and be a little bit different as well. But, you know, some people hate that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so certainly our voices are different. Uh, Kevin has the experience in Japan and Ring of Honor. He knows all about statistics. He knows everything about the history. And Tony Schiavone is, is, is the OG when it comes to professional wrestling. He's seen absolutely everything there is over the last 30 or, God laws, I'm, I'm aging him, saying 40 years. But Tony is someone that I respect tremendously, despite what I might say about him on air. <laughs> uh, so it's a pleasure to work with those guys. And as I said, yeah, it is a different feel. And I'm not sure exactly why, because ostensibly it's the same idea. It's, you know, wrestlers in the ring with incredible matches and promos and storylines outside of it. But uh, it does, yes, it does feel different. I was going to save this for later, but you've already brought it up twice. Hmm. What is up with this thing with Brian Danielson? This has been done for years. Are you just going to finally get in the ring and clock him at some point or what? Not a chance. He's, he's afraid of me. No chance he'd ever get in the ring with me. He knows he's got nothing to gain from that. He's got, he's got his long list of cherry-picked opponents that he wants for his Odyssey <laughs> so he can... Go back to his little, you know, humble abode in Seattle and uh, dig his clams out of the uh, beach every weekend. Um, you know, so I don't think he has any interest in that. And that's all well and good. Um, it's probably better for him either way. You know, I, I enjoy making fun of him and belittling him. Obviously, the truth is he's an incredible wrestler, uh, one of the best that I ever faced. But that can't take away from the uh, the vitriol and the legitimate jealousy and, and sort of resentment that I have towards someone. Their career was at the same sort of level as me, and then our stars certainly went in different directions. Yeah. Fair enough, but I think a lot of people would enjoy that for some day for you to step back in those ropes one more time and make Someday that match happen. over the rainbow. Yeah, who who knows? You know, you can certainly say never, never, never say never in this job. But uh, yeah, I, I I wouldn't bet against it. I would I would bet against it at this juncture. I know, but everybody keeps asking you. I had to do it too. Sorry, nostalgia. No yeah, AEW has become a very 
different place now that MJF is no longer the world champion and Samoa Joe is on top. It's a mm. real different tenor in here now with Joe leading the way, Adam Cole in the Undisputed Kingdom uh, doing their thing, and now you've got Tony Storm having to deal with Deanna Perrazzo and Serena Deeb, a very different set of challengers. Swerve Strickland and Adam Page coming after those guys. This has been a very different vibe lately. What do you think about this right now? Yeah, it's interesting. It's intriguing. It's everything that pro wrestling should be, you know what I mean? It, it, it gets you to uh, ask questions, gets you to pay attention, gets you to look forward to future matchups, you know? Some old Joe is a guy who I don't think is any, any question, but Ring of Honor on the map took what was uh, an exciting upstart promotion and made them into a worldwide recognized brand by carrying the Ring of Honor world title as long as he did and as well as he did and having those sort of matches. It just established that this is different. You know, this is something you're not going to see anywhere else. And I don't think there can be any other argument that that Ring of Honor style, pioneered by guys like Joe and Brian and everybody else that came after them, has now become the de facto pro wrestling style. No matter what you watch back in the early 2000s, nowhere else was really doing that. A little bit, you can say, yeah. And obviously it drew its inspirations from promotions like ECW and All Japan, of course, and a lot of the British stuff. But be that as it may, there's, there's no argument that can be made that the effect that Ring of Honor has had and, and Samoa Joe, I think, is, is pivotal to that. Yeah, it's been pretty fascinating. And I, I had just asked Claudio Castagnoli a little while ago about the influence of Ring of Honor and those days and looking around the landscape of professional wrestling, how much that time frame has affected the current landscape of pro wrestling. And it's pretty incredible when you take a look at it. Yeah, you wouldn't have thought about it. I remember when I, I first started, you know, going to uh, working with WWE uh, and certainly now in AEW, a lot of the times you'd see people that you cut your teeth with on the indies being on these massive shows. Certainly when I think of Wembley Stadium and all in last year, you know, half of that card, I, I'd have done shows on in the early 2000s. And to see how so many of those guys got to that level was something you would never imagine. I mean, you put yourself back in the landscape of pro wrestling in the early 2000s, and you would have never have said that half of these guys that were on top that drew this money would ever get to that stage because, I mean, we heard the edict. We heard the edict. From at the time, the only other big company in the job, WWE, was that if you weren't 250 and you weren't a former football player, then you weren't going to have a chance. You might come in, you might have a sort of a low-card role or a mid-card role, but that changed so dramatically because of guys like Brian and Punk and, and Joe to a, to a large extent as well in TNA that uh, it just changed the landscape. And, and no one's ever said it, obviously, but I think they had to switch their game plan because they, they realized that this is what people wanted to see. And, of course, we're on with Nigel McGuinness from AEW. And we've got AEW Revolution coming up here in just a few weeks as we get ready for the retirement match of Sting. And this is shaping up to be a very entertaining night as well. How keyed up are you for this pay-per-view? Oh, super excited, super excited. I mean, tickets have been flying off the shelf already. You know, I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but uh, it's going to be close to a sellout, I would imagine. And I don't think there's any question that it's in large part, if not whole part, because of Sting's retirement and speaks to the respect everybody as fans uh, and certainly the guys in the back have for Sting as well. I mean, he's a guy who, first ballot Hall of Famer, no question about it, but he's also a guy who was professional, never had an ego, and there's certainly a lot of other people in his position could have done, came in and is always 
always willing to do whatever is asked of him, always over, able to change his gimmick over the years as well and, and remain relevant, not just do the same old tired out tricks, but something different, take some risks and always entertain. I think that's why Sting will always be loved. And so to that point, this will be the last night that he gets in the ring. And uh, because of that, there will be some incredible memories, not just for him, but everybody that either watches the show or is there in person. Yeah. What a great spot for Darby. When I was, yeah, uh, right. I mean, when I was up in Seattle and you know, he was standing up there and he's in the ring with me, Adam Copeland and Sting. Mm. What an amazing opportunity for a guy like that. That must have just been incredible for him to be in the ring standing there with those two icons. Yeah, yeah, no question about it as, as a real fan of the business. And I think that's for all of us. And I think that's arguably why we all love AEW. And it all comes from the top. It comes from Tony Khan, who by his own admission is a, a pro wrestling fan. And because of that, he has that pro wrestling fan mentality, which is open to all sort of things and to the respect of the guys who've been in the job for a long time. There's a reason why guys like Adam Copeland and Christian Cage and Sting come to AEW. And no, it's not just about the money. It's about that creative freedom. It's about that respect. And it's about the ability to go out there and still do it. You do not watch a Christian Cage match or an Adam Copeland match or a Sting match now and go, oh, you know, they're not as good as they used to be. They still are absolutely incredible, you know. As much as I may bemoan him on TV, Adam Copeland is just incredible. Bell to bell, and in the back, the influence that he's had on the guys as well. You know, I just wish he'd stop threatening to, to hurt me. Well, well, have you ever considered being nice to these guys on commentary once? It's my job. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, or what I see, and if he's, you know... He comes out and, and says that he wants to team with Christian Cage. And then two weeks later, because Sting has a word in his ear, he changes his mind completely and wants to fight him. And then tries to end his career as well. I can't let that go. Understood. I'll tell you, Nigel, it's fun because I, just as a personal compliment, I just think that when you're doing that broadcasting, it just brings such a great laugh and a change of pace. And it's just something out of the blue that you'll say that just breaks everything up. And it just reminds us one of the best parts about pro wrestling, that we're supposed to be having fun when we do it. Amen. A hundred percent. You know, William Regal's right when he says that none of us are owed anything in wrestling. Every dollar we make, every minute we spend in the business is a blessing. And I certainly feel that way. And yeah, you know, sometimes I do think we, we, we do all take it far too seriously and worry too much about this and that. You know, it's just a blessing whether you're, you're a fan in the stands or somebody working inside the industry as well. Have fun with it. You know, have fun with it. There are so many other jobs that we could be doing that we wouldn't like, you know. I mean, we're so blessed not to have to work 40 hours a week doing a job that we can't stand. And so, yeah, it's it's an incredible, incredible blessing that we, we all have. Now, one of the things I was really excited to get to talk to you about and, and give you a chance to promote is the Nigel McGuinness Magical Night that's going to be happening here at The Nerd on Friday night. And I've heard so much about these shows that you do from so many people. And it's not just you doing magic tricks and things like that. But this is kind of a, a one-man show and an ode to professional wrestling and your friends and, you know, kind of reaching into people's hearts a little bit. And I've just heard so many things about how you're really trying to reach inside and, and touch people through the magic and professional wrestling. So tell everybody a little bit about this show and what you're trying to accomplish as you're doing it. I mean, originally the show was inspired by the 
passing of Jay Briscoe, unfortunately, in January last year. Jay, a man who, probably one of the most alive pro wrestlers of all time, you know, his life was cut short, I believe, at 38 years of age. And that was the real inspiration. I had the idea to do a magic show before, and many people have suggested I did. But I just didn't really have the impetus, you know. And then with his passing, it was just like, no, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. As cliched as that is. And so I took three weeks, you know. I wasn't working anywhere at the time. So I was able to do that and commit three weeks to working on a show that was partially inspired by Derek Delgado's in and of itself as well. Um, if you haven't seen that early way to check it out I believe it's on Hulu you can see it and he tells a lot of his life stories and uses magic to accentuate that so I thought I'd try to do the same sort of thing to your point as an homage to pro wrestling talk about the similarities that magic and pro wrestling have and then talk about a lot of the experiences that I had as well in pro wrestling a lot of heartbreak a lot of the triumph and tie that all back together with magic and some of it is visual magic some of it's mentalism some of it is just you know, funny things that will make you giggle as well. But you know, I, I get people up on stage and we all have a good laugh and we all sort of revel in this, uh, I like to call it a, a proud, dirty secret <laughs> pro wrestling. You know, if, if, you're a, if you're a pro wrestling fan, you know, and you, you see someone walking by out in the real world with a pro wrestling T-shirt, you just you feel like, yeah, we're part of a club. You know what I mean? And so it's that, it's that feeling. Something arguably I'm as proud of this show as I have anything else I've done. I did the documentary 2012 when I retired and obviously I have the body of work as a wrestler and now as a commentator as well. So uh, between all of those, I just think this, this is a, a way to blend it all together and pay homage to it and, and leave fans and friends and whoever comes to see this show with a, with a night of heightened human experience that they, they won't they'll neither forget or regret. Looking down the road, you know, we're going to be headed back to Wembley uh, this year, too. Man, I'll tell you what, it's going to be hard to top last year, but I'm sure you guys are going to be bracing yourselves to go for that. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't doubt it for a second. That's the one thing that Tony Khan has proved. You know, on the day he pulls it off, right? You know, big show. And uh, Wembley was an incredible night for me personally. It was 31 years, almost to the day that I first sat in Wembley Stadium uh, watching SummerSlam, and I first just had an epiphany that I was going to be a professional wrestler. So to come back that venue and stand in the ring and announce the world record paid pro wrestling attendance. It, 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 you just, you couldn't write it, you know what I mean? You, you, that's something from a movie. So to, to live that experience, yeah, was, was absolutely incredible. And to your point, to one-up it, I don't know. I, I made a joke, didn't I, when uh, that was first announced that if they sell out, that uh, I'd have to dust the boots off. And I think I probably would have been up for it, you know, but uh, it just didn't, didn't work out because Brian was scared and, you know, pretended that he'd hurt his arm and then all of a sudden was fine the next week. So. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quote me on any of that at all. Oh, I think it's a little <laughs> too late for that, sir, but it's all good. Nigel, thanks for coming on the Mark Oak show. We do appreciate it. You got it. No worries, mate. All right. And there you go. Nigel McGinnis, everybody. Boy, I'll tell you what a great guy and you know, someone that, you know, I've admired. And, you know, if you haven't seen the documentary about his career, just uh, you know, a story of triumph and tragedy. Of course, had the the injury that knocked him out of WWE, and uh, of course had to you know, retire. And uh, just a, a wild run for him. But certainly, you know, got to go to that uh, his magic show on Friday night at the Nerd, and it was very touching. Uh, you know, Jay Briscoe was an inspiration to him, and you know, had a 
had a blast. You know, I actually got to go up on stage a little bit and, you know, he, he figured out that I was not telling him the truth. And I felt very bad considering he used to play a lot of poker and he read me like a book. I was very upset about that, but it, it was a very moving show and, you know, had a lot of fun too. And, you know, some uh, terrific wrestlers were over there as well. Jerry Lynn was there and Kenny King uh, had a great time with it. And, uh, Certainly, it was uh, you know a, a great moment to to share with Nigel, and you know I would recommend that if you get a chance, no matter where you are, if you can go see one of his shows, uh, you know it's um, it's a great night. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling a little bit over it, but honestly, it, it was a little emotional, and uh, I was certainly a fan of Jay Briscoe for a very long time, and Ring of Honor was a place that really restored my love of pro wrestling when it seemed like WWE was kind of just going through the motions that ROH and those guys really made me feel something exciting was going on in pro wrestling again. And that group of people and is, you know, what got me motivated to really enjoy it again. You know, it's, and and I think you kind of hear that when I interviewed Claudio and, uh, a little while ago, and then and Nigel, and you know, when I talk to some of the ROH guys, they do have a little bit of a special place in my heart. I won't deny that. So great to talk to Nigel McGinnis, and of course, so once again, want to thank AEW for all the great things they did for us this weekend. Uh, and we'll mention, of course, after that Collision show last night, which was a blast. Uh, of course, Orange Cassidy, who's going to be coming up on the show, did successfully defend his AEW International Championship against. Tomohiro Ishii, but he did take a little bit of a beating from the Undisputed Kingdom. But Tony Khan kept mentioning about Las Vegas and essentially said, yeah, we're coming back. He said, we're looking forward to seeing all of you at Double or Nothing. So it looks like without a formal announcement that we're going to be having Double or Nothing here again in Las Vegas, would imagine we'll be over back over at the T-Mobile Center Memorial Day weekend, so you guys can brace yourselves for that. It's going to be awesome. Of course, I think that'll be the sixth double or nothing here, if I'm correct. Uh, could be wrong, but uh, either the fifth or sixth. And it's kind of where it all started for AEW, and Tony made it sound like we're not going anywhere. So pretty exciting stuff there that double or nothing is going to be back here in Sin City. And, of course, AEW Revolution is going to be coming up on uh, March 3rd, and the card is starting to shape up a little bit. You know, we got some intrigue with Sting and Darby Allen winning the AEW World Tag Team Championships. And there was a little controversy surrounding A lot of people were kind of, well, should they, shouldn't they? But they did on Wednesday night beating Big Bill and Ricky Starks. And uh, it is not 100% official yet, but it looks like they'll be, I would imagine they'll be taking on the Young Bucks. But they will be there for Sting's retirement match. Ric Flair should be in the corner for those guys. So that's going to be happening. Uh, Orange Cassie will be taking on Roderick Strong. Of course, they'll have he'll have Matt Taven and Mike Bennett, the Real Honor World Tag Team Champions, in his corner. If you also didn't see this match on AEW Dynamite, it was Hangman Adam Page and Swerve Strickland. They went to a massive 30-minute time limit draw. And so both of them will be challenging Samoa Joe for the AEW World Championship. That is going to be an amazing match. 
Uh, Tony Storm is going to defend the AEW Women's World Championship against Deanna Perrazzo. That feud is building up pretty heavily. They had a little stare down last night at the Dollar Loan Center. And Eddie Kingston threw down the gauntlet. He's going to defend his Continental Crown Championship. That, of course, is three championships combined. Uh, The AEW Continental Championship that he won in the Continental Classic, the Ring of Honor World Championship, and the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship against Brian Danielson. And Eddie put in a stipulation that if Danielson loses the match, he's got to shake Eddie's hand, show some respect, because apparently... He doesn't have Brian's respect. So that might be the one of the worst things that Brian would have to do. So that's where the card is right now, but there's going to be a lot more coming up on that. So get ready for March 3rd, AEW Revolution. That is going to be terrific. And speaking of Brian Danielson last night, by the way, they had a little, he had a little showdown in New Japan with Zack Sabre Jr. last night, and they had a good 28-minute match. And Zack Sabre Jr. wins the rematch against Brian Danielson. Of course, they battled it out up in Seattle at Wrestle Dream, and Sabre Jr. comes out the winner. So they're now one and one. And Brian Danielson called Zack Sabre Jr. the best technical wrestler in the world after that match. But I really thought that was a match of the year candidate when they met earlier this uh, later last year. This one, uh, from what we're hearing, has may have topped it. So a great one there for Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. in New Japan. Oh, man. That's a, and that was the freedom that Brian Danielson was looking for when he headed to AEW. He wanted to get matches like that. Well, guess what, buddy? You got it. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, man. It, and it's just been such an amazing week here in Las Vegas. And... Eventually, of course, we're going to turn our attention to WWE because this whole situation with The Rock and Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins hanging around being a little bit of a pest has continued to escalate, to say the least. And we took another step forward with this WWE WrestleMania kickoff press conference. I'm not sure how much of a press conference it really was. A bunch of us were there, but... (laughs) We got a little bit of a show down at T-Mobile on Thursday afternoon as, well, all hell broke loose as The Rock. Well, he tried to show Cody Rhodes what his role was. Cody didn't like it very much. So some wild goings on there. We're going to talk all about that. And if they were trying to make everybody forget about Vince McMahon, well... I don't know. Nobody's making this story go away anytime soon. There's more developments that come up with that. And Scott Demore out at TNA. We're going to mention that as well. And, of course, we're going to hear from the AEW International Champion, Orange Cassidy. So a pretty jam-packed hour number two here on the Mark Hoke Show on KDON 101.5 FM. And don't forget to download that Odyssey app, too, so you can hear us anytime you want and all the great shows on KDON. It's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with hour number two on the Mark Hoke Show. We'll be right back. Want more of the Mark Hoke Show? Follow us on Twitter at Mark Hoke Show. 
Like us on Facebook at The Mark Hoke Show and visit MarkHokeShow.com to keep up with everything happening with the show. And remember to check out all of our archive shows on YouTube at The Mark Hoke Show and download our podcasts at MarkHokeShow.Podbean.com and all your favorite podcast outlets. So join The Mark Hoke Show family today and thanks for listening.